It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait. Can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Rush four. Brown straight back. And it's picked off. It's Lloyd headed for the end zone. Pick six. Devin Lloyd. Rising with pressure. Closing in. Delivers a strike across the middle. Dalton Kincaid. And the tight ends. Dominant on that drive as the youth stretch it to a three touchdown lead. He's got the football. And he walks in. And the Utes. Razor sharp with the opening possession. They get 61 yards. First and goal here now. And Thomas barrels in. Pleasure check it. And a touchdown for Utah. He got the short field. The big run by the quarterback sets up the touchdown run. And there's some tempers after the play. Long outlet pass stolen by O'Neal. O'Neal attacking. Lobbing to Rudy who dunks it. Donovan driving on Edwards. Into the lane, underhand scoop, reach in, foul, Donovan finishes! Donovan took it on the left side, brought the dribble low, worked to the middle, got the fouls, brought it from his shoe tops up to his belt, released it from six feet out and in. Donovan, off the bounce three this time, perfect again, he holds the pose again. Donovan Mitchell, six of eight from three tonight, he's got 25 points. Beverly driving, ball faking, stepping through, swatted by Rudy! Don't talk about me! Fast break, Donovan to the window, lays it up and in. Patrick Beverly, you take that and put it in your pipe and smoke it! Because Rudy Gobert just rejected that! Welcome into the Saturday show. That's a great call, by the way. <laughs> Hope everybody's doing well out there. Happy New Year to you all. I'm Jay Catch. Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. A uh, little bit of a different format today because we slotted the show back an hour. We're typically on from 10 to noon here locally, but it's Rose Bowl day. So we moved it back an hour. We'll have Rose Bowl pregame coverage coming up at the top of the 1 o'clock hour, and that'll lead up for two hours into kickoff ahead of Utah's first-ever Rose Bowl against Ohio State. Looking forward to that. Uh, you can call us if you want the pre-pregame show today on the Saturday show. Jay Catch along for the ride. Eric Jensen, our producer behind the glass. Eric, how was your New Year? It was good. I uh, got tickets to this Jazz game last okay. night, so that was fun. Went to go see the Jazz play, and then... Uh, Went home, had an early New Year, drank my Martinelli's, and uh, went to bed. All right, there you go. Do you watch like the YouTube countdown to celebrate the right way? No, I did not. That's, that's what I did with my kids. Like halftime of the Jazz game last night. Netflix has it too. You can look up like a. It's a New Year's celebration. It's a countdown. We did it like got it eight thirty when the Jazz are at halftime. I was like, you want to put the kids to bed? I'm like, yeah, let's put the kids to bed. So we turned that on, let them celebrate a little bit, and then off to bed with the kids. So. 
it was fun. Uh, good, good New Year's, obviously. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Uh, cold New Year's Day here in Utah. It is frigid out there, so hope you all are doing great. And thank you for taking the time to join us here on the Saturday show. As you heard in the open, a lot to talk about on both the Utah and also the Utah Jazz front. A uh, very interesting uh, performance, I felt like, from the Jazz last night. But they win the, yet again. Absolutely rolling right now. But today, they host the Golden State Warriors in Salt Lake City. Uh, the kickoff to a very critical and a very tough month, if you look at the schedule for the Jazz. We'll talk about that ahead on today's show. We're also going to be joined by two uh, great guests, guys that I have gotten to know doing the podcast thing that I like to do, and that is uh, Jay Stevens from Locked On Buckeyes covering Ohio State football, and also an old friend of ours. Eric will be very excited about this. Brian Brown from Locked On Utes will also be joining us. He is actually in California for the Rose Bowl. Excited to catch up with him, see what the vibe is down there in the greater L.A. and Pasadena area and get his thoughts. Those guys will be coming up on today's show. We'll also get to some of our, all our staples here on the Saturday show. New year, not changing a lot. We'll keep up with technical fouls, five minutes of. So we'll have a lot of fun. Eric always has something cooked up, it seems like, at the end of each show to roast somebody. And I'm the only host mainly now, so it's probably just me that he's going to be roasting moving Yeah, forward. probably just you. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have some fun, all the same. So uh, first things first, want to remind you guys, our title sponsor here on the Saturday Show is our friends at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, Eric, uh, you know how we do. We kick off the show with what's the big deal, so fire away, my friend. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> I still love that open. It just makes me chuckle every single time. Anchorman is one of the more quotable movies out there. I feel like there are so many instances that you can quote that movie in, and that right there is one of the all-time classics. All right, Eric, let's kick things off and talk a little Utah football. They're playing in the Rose Bowl today. You are a student at the University of Utah, so I wanted to throw this at you to kick things off. What are your feelings on today? Just a broad-based question. Fire away. Well, I feel like it's going to be a fun day, and it would be disappointing if they lost. It would be pretty disappointing if they lost, considering Ohio State has had a lot of players opt out. Mm -hmm. But also, it's just kind of icing on the top of the cake. Like, you won the Pac-12. That was the big goal. That was something that was very much kind of a blotch on the resume of the program was the fact that they had never won the Pac-12. And now they won the Pac-12 and they're here in the Rose Bowl. It's just icing on top, but it's a it's going to be a fun day, and uh, I'm uh, I'm happy to have the Rose Bowl and the opportunity to watch a team that you know I I go to school there, and I'm I'm excited to play it. You know they've had this promo playing all week with with PK saying like the amount of pride that people are going to feel when they see people take that. That, that field is is going to be unparalleled, and I have to agree. I'm very proud to be from the state of Utah, and 
going to Utah. It's a it's a very very happy day, and whatever happens today, it'll be cool to say you know my team played in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and that, that's the thing about that is yeah, PK's dead on about that because PK speaks to it from experience. He's an Arizona State alum, and I know people like to make fun of him for all his bluster about being a Sun Devil and all that stuff, but. He has been to multiple Rose Bowls watching his Sun Devils play. And this is a game that I have watched my entire life, and I love watching it this time of year because it's a cold, frigid day here in Utah today. I think it was single digits overnight here along the Wasatch Front. It's going to be another cold night tonight. But it's a cold day, snow on the ground here in Utah, but then you watch the Rose Bowl, and just without fail, it seems like, the weather is just stellar. It's in the today's supposed to be in the sixties, I think. It's sunny. That sun is just peeking over the San Gabriel Mountains down there in Southern California. It's one of the funnest days of the year, and it's a game that I have watched. I think literally every year since I was a very, very young child. I love this, and the fact that Utah is playing in this game makes it all the more fun, and I, I look forward to it. And I, I you as a a University of Utah student, a guy who's working in sports media, I, I'm sure there's just, yeah, you said a lot of pride watching this team do their thing. Yeah, and I mean, I, I you know, it, it is tough, you know, sometimes doing this and, and being there too because I'm a little bit divorced from the whole fandom aspect of it. I like to stay pretty even keel on, on Utah. I'm not super big into getting really emotional about sure. college football the way you know a lot of people do and that that's fine but it's just not something that you know i i put being you know working in in the area i i i try to keep more even keel about things but it is exciting to have a team especially from the state of utah that's one thing i love is when the state of utah is represented on a national level and it's it's just really cool to have a program here playing in a big new year six bowl yeah so the game today ohio state is still technically a four-point favorite according to most of the odds makers out there and if you go by espn's matchup predictor they actually have ohio state as a 68.2 percent chance of winning this game according to the espn football power index i i, I don't yeah, let me be frank right up front. I don't get that. I know that Ohio State has the reputation, and it's Ohio State. Okay, Utah, after a very stumbling, bumbling 1-2 and two start, went on an absolutely stellar run through the Pac-12. I am a big proponent and a big believer when it comes to bowl games, especially bowl games of this magnitude. We saw last night the college football playoff, and we need to talk about those duds of a game uh, a little later on in today's show, but... I'm a big believer in bowl games of this magnitude and just bowl games in general. The more motivated team, I feel like, has a decided advantage in this. And we all know with the opt-outs, uh, Chris Olave, a uh, couple of guys, uh, who is it, Nicholas Pettit-Ferrer, the left tackle. I think so, and Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, also wide receiver, and then also Haskell Garrett. Uh, who is a very, very, very good defensive tackle. Actually, funny enough, he is the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame Player of the Year. Wow. Good for him. I know. So I, I, I learned that last night reading up on him. But uh, so those four players opting out. Scream to me that Ohio State's looking at this game as, okay. Meanwhile, Utah, you're right. 
we all have a sense of pride as Utahns when teams from this state represent us on the biggest stages. Think of the if you're old enough, think of the Utah Jazz when they played in the back-to-back NBA Finals in '97 and '98. Think of BYU if you want to go all the way back to Cotton Bowl in 1997. I still vividly remember that game, playing Shane Mearbrook and Steve Sarkeesian leading the Cougars against Kansas State in the Cotton Bowl. And there have been so many opportunities. The Olympics, when Utah is on the biggest stages, I think we all, as Utahns in the state, by and large, we get on board and we support this team. I really think Utah, the Utes, speaking of the team themselves, they are extremely motivated in this game. And I think Utah, they're going to be packing something special, I think, when they take on Ohio State today down there in the Rose Bowl. I I could be wrong about that. Ohio State could come out and just simply out-athlete Utah. It's it's a very real possibility. And, Eric, you watch a lot of football as well. I know you, you watch it more through the prism. I know that your background is more in the NFL. I come to it from the college football perspective. Ohio State is one of the most loaded teams if you go by star ranking systems and recruiting ranking services. This is about as talented a program as you will find top to bottom. The thing is, though, Utah has proven that they have started to recruit at a higher level. Meanwhile, they also they also develop athletes. And you think of a guy like Devin Lloyd, a former two-star prospect, a safety who came to Utah and might be the number one middle linebacker, inside linebacker in next year's NFL draft. You have to point to that and say, Kyle Whittingham saw something in this young man that nobody else saw, brings him in, puts him into a new position, moves him from safety to linebacker, and then they develop him into maybe the best linebacker in this year's draft class. That's the thing about Utah is, yeah, they're recruiting at a higher level. They don't recruit on the same level as Ohio State probably, but Utah, they got something special, I think, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they match up with a team like Ohio State. Yeah, I I think the number one thing that, you see that minus four next to Ohio State, and I, I think and you that's get, come down. By the way, it was six and a half to start with, and with the opt outs, it's dropped a bit. Right. You look at the one guy who hasn't opted out, and that's C.J. Stroud, who might be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. You mean a Heisman Trophy finalist? Uh, yeah, is on the field, a Heisman <laughs> Trophy finalist. Yeah. Um, that to me is the biggest test for Utah today. I'm not really worried about what's happening in the trenches. I think they're extremely well coached in those areas, but this is going to be a huge test for the Utah secondary, and they're very talented, Mm -hmm. and they're super well coached, and I understand that, but this is a different caliber of passing attack than most of these guys have ever seen in, in their entire college careers. Like This is not... Anthony Brown in Oregon. This is one of the best passing attacks in the entire country, and I'm I'm interested to see how Utah matches up with that. Well, they will need to match up. There's no doubt about that. So we'll have more on this. As I mentioned, Jay Stevens from Locked On Buckeyes will give us the Ohio State perspective. Uh, he covers Ohio State day in and day out on the Locked On Podcast Network. You know what I do on the Saturday show? I call in my friends that I've gotten to know over the years doing podcasting Smart. with them. And then Brian Brown, who covers the Utes for Locked On Utes, uh, he will join us as well. Uh, Jay Stevens at 1030, so in our next segment we'll have him. And then at 11 o'clock, Brian's going to join us, Brian Brown, down there in the greater L.A. slash Pasadena area. We'll get his thoughts on today's game. So uh, let's transition here and talk a little Utah Jazz, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the Utah Jazz last night, they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves for the third time in a month, 120-108. to And this was a game I felt like that was all four quarters told different stories. And let me explain that. Uh, in the first quarter, the Utah Jazz came out and were trading buckets back and forth with Minnesota and say, okay, 
they're feeling pretty frisky. And both teams were undermanned. Let's also be clear about this right up front. Uh, D'Angelo, uh, 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 D'Angelo, um, who am I thinking of? The star guard for Minnesota here did not play in this game. I gotta pull it up here. Uh, I am just, I, I just escaped me. I want to say D'Angelo Mandel, but that's BYU's cornerback. But. Uh, but they also did not have Carl Anthony Towns in this game, sitting so in Minnesota. And then also the Utah Jazz were without Joe Ingles and Mike Conley both sitting out. Uh, Mike Conley due to rest. He's expected to play tonight against the Golden State Warriors. Meanwhile, Joe Ingles uh, has a left lower back strain, I believe was the correct term. So a sore lower back. He sat out last night's game. And they also, speaking of the Utah Jazz, lost Hassan Whiteside in this game due to concussion-like symptoms. His status moving forward is going to be in question. But both teams uh, came out and started trading buckets. The second quarter, the Utah Jazz, they were still the more talented team because Minnesota's also been racked with all kinds of COVID issues. And the Utah Jazz seemed to take control of this game in the second quarter, led by 13 at halftime. Third quarter, they come out, and you're like, okay, they put their foot down here. This game's over. They can go enjoy New Year's Eve and obviously get ready for the Golden State Warriors. Well, they decided to take the foot off the gas rather than put the foot down on the accelerator, and Minnesota turned it into a very, very close game. But then in the fourth quarter, the Utah Jazz used a 22-0 run and put this game to bed. They end up winning at 120-108. to Very impressive performance, all things considered. Uh, Donovan Mitchell returned from two games off to his own lower left back strain. Goes off for a season-high 39 points. Boyan Bogdanovich, very impressive, 24 points, but also more importantly, his season-high of 12 rebounds. Rudy Gobert chips in 14 and 16, and then obviously Jordan Clarks and the the, uh, human torch that he is, 20 points off the bench to go with Rudy Gay's 12 points uh, in the reserve unit for Utah. I I really felt like it was an impressive win for the Utah Jazz. Undermanned, uh, they have not dealt with COVID issues, knock on wood to this point, uh, like other teams, including Minnesota, have, but the hope is that the Utah Jazz can use this momentum they have piled up here in the month of December and kick it into a, another gear because this coming month, a lot, a lot of big games for the Utah Jazz upcoming, starting tonight against the Golden State Warriors, currently the number one seed in the Western Conference. Eric, uh, before we look forward here, you were at that game last night. What were your impressions sitting in the stands here at Vivint Arena? You know, I think just how deep the team looks you can remark about how mm-hmm. they lost Whiteside they they didn't have Joe Ingles or, or Mike Conley and that would have been a real issue last year it happened that you know that's kind of what knocked them out of the playoffs but I mean Boyan with 24 points Donovan Mitchell with nearly 40 Rudy Gobert has 14 Rudy Gay has 12 off the bench and then Jordan Clarkson with 20 Adding Rudy Gay has helped quite a bit with this team. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him score a few more points here and there, but he he his added uh, presence off the bench, I think, really helps the team out. And I was just impressed with the way they hung in there because Minnesota kept this thing really close early, but when the Jazz needed to pull away at the end, they were able to you know focus in and give their best effort and, and get through. And and I think that that's a that's a very good sign to be able to, you know, have lackluster quarters and then be able to turn it yeah. on in the fourth when it matters the most. And that was the thing about that is it felt like in the third quarter, there have been games this year where the Jazz, they've come out and absolutely pummeled teams in the third quarter. But other games where, similar to last night, they seem to take their foot off the accelerator. The other 
the other team, their opponent, seems to gain momentum. And then from there on down the stretch, it's an absolute dogfight for the Jazz. The impressive part about last night's performance, I felt like, was that 22-0 run in the fourth quarter. They put this game to bed, and they said, you know what, we're not fooling around with this. We're putting this one out of mind, out of sight, and it's over here. And now they kick off a very big month. So this is a very road-heavy month, speaking of the month of January for the Utah Jazz. They kick it off tonight at home against the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry will be in town. 7 o'clock tip-off, and obviously you'll be able to hear all the play-by-play coverage right here on your exclusive radio home for the Utah Jazz here on the Zone Sports Network. Pre-game coverage, Jazz Game Night, the pre-game show with Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe takes off at 6 o'clock, and then David Locke, uh, ostensibly Ron Boone if he's not doing TV duty tonight. I don't know. He did TV last night. So David Locke will be on the call. We all know that. Uh, That'll be at 7 o'clock, kicking off things. But then after that, the Utah Jazz, they embark on a five-game road trip. Then they return home for one game against Cleveland, back out on the road, back home for two, back out on the road, back home for one, back out on back out for two. This is a very road-heavy slate this month and a lot of big opponents in this stretch. They played Golden State twice this month. They played the Los Angeles Lakers twice, if I'm not mistaken, this month. Oh, excuse me, one time. Denver twice this month. There is a very tricky uh, and setup. The Suns oh, and the Suns, twice. yeah. They have, they have, a, they have the, the home back-to-back, yep. the home away back-to-back against the Suns as well late in the month. So this month could tell us a lot about the Utah Jazz with regards to are they contenders or are they pretenders? Because you're going to play some of the top dogs that you're fighting for positioning with right now. If the Utah Jazz carry the momentum over from what they did in the month of December, I know they had their lull there in the mid-month losing those back-to-back games against San Antonio and Washington, but outside of that, you look at the month of December, it's been wins, it's been dubs, it's been a lot of fun to watch this Jazz team, and they have had their struggles, trust me. Uh, you can look back at some of these games. The Dallas game, which was severely uh, undermanned as they took on the Utah Jazz, they came out and just threw punch after punch at the Utah Jazz. They had to grind out a 120-116 to 116 victory. That one stands out to me. I feel like the momentum they have collected this past month, speaking of the Jazz, should propel them into a very good month in December, in January, excuse me, if they are able to make sure that they take care of their business. The thing about this, and what I love about the Jazz, is they have actually been, record-wise, better on the road. And that pretends well for a road-heavy month here in the month of January. And I, I for one, am looking forward to seeing how they respond. This five-game road trip, they kick it off Monday at New Orleans, and then they go to Denver, Toronto, Indiana, and Detroit. That's going to be a gauntlet because it's a full week on the road. There are five games in those eight days, and you obviously have some good teams in there and some very bad teams in there. New Orleans, not good. Detroit, not good. Indiana, eh, they're trying to blow things up, it feels like. Toronto, depends on the night. And then Denver, well, they have been racked with injuries, but Nikola Jokic, he seems to relish playing Utah. So there's a very critical road trip upcoming for Utah Jazz and a very critical month with a lot of road contests uh, in this month of January for the Jazz. Eric, here's my question for you before we take our first time out here on the Saturday show is, with Utah Jazz record-wise being better on the road than they have been at home, does that give you the confidence that they're going to go out there and really maybe make a run towards the one or two seed when they currently sit in the three seed here in the West? You know, I think it all depends on those swing games. Okay. That, that you know, the, or that's what I like to call them at least. These matchups against the teams that are higher seeded than you, you have three of them this month with the Warriors with and with the Suns. If you can 
take care of business against lesser teams and go up and win. If they won tonight, for example, mm-hmm. against the Golden State Warriors, there's still a few games back, but that does a lot in catching up a little bit. It's a two-game swing. You're right. Yeah. So you, you want to go win these games against uh, against uh, the Warriors and yeah. the Suns. Take the Suns and Warriors down. Yep. Denver, obviously, you're in a two-road contest. There, the, uh, is it still the Pepsi Center? I don't remember what they call it anymore. It is Ball Arena. Ball Arena. Yep. Very on-the-nose name there, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also the Lakers. By the way, the Lakers, people like talking about them like, they're they're falling short of expectations. I'm like, this is kind of what we all expected. If, if you looked at the Lakers roster, a bunch of dudes in their mid-30s or older who can't shoot, by and large, looking at you, Russell Westbrook, and you expected them to be more than that? Yeah, the Lakers are an interesting case because you feel like if Anthony Davis gets back healthy and if they admit their failures and move some of these guys like Russell Westbrook at the trade deadline, I still think they're a very dangerous Mm -hmm. team. But you have to, you really have to get Russell Westbrook out of the mix because he just does not work on an NBA team when you if you want to have three-point shooting to keep up with some of these well, high-scoring shooting teams like the Warriors and the Suns and the Jazz in the West. Well, LeBron James, he wanted Westbrook on this roster. And on any, any given night, a guy like LeBron, if Anthony Davis comes back healthy, they can make your life miserable. But the thing is, they just they don't seem to have it right now. So there's a big month ahead for the Utah Jazz. Go take care of business. Kick it off tonight the right way. Celebrate New Year's by taking on Steph and the Golden State Warriors. And hopefully we're talking about a Utah Jazz win come Monday. All right, coming up in just a moment, we're going to be joined by Jay Stevens from Locked On Buckeyes. He was on with DJ and PK earlier this week. Does a great job covering Ohio State. Want to get his thoughts on today's game. We'll get to that next. Top of the 11 o'clock hour, Brian Brown from Locked On Utes will join us as well. You're listening to The Saturday Show, brought to you by Mountainland Supply, right here on the Zone Sports Network. It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait, can't, can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. About to get to a head on today's show, but of course it is Rose Bowl Day here down there in the Rose Bowl, the 2022 Rose Bowl game. We are going to catch up right now with Jay Stevens. He is the host of Locked On Buckeyes, a guy that I've got to know over the last little bit. He covers Ohio State. And Jay, thank you for taking the time. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Bowl season is here. It's almost over. we got bowl games on right now. The Rose Bowl later today, and I'm excited to watch 
all the football this afternoon. Absolutely. We had you on earlier this week with DJ and PK here on the Zone Sports Network. And I want to start here. And it is the day of the game, finally. And we have been waiting all week for this. What is the vibe you're getting from Ohio State based on your observations of their excitement level for today's game? They're ready to go. It's game day. Uh, there's talk around uh, social media, that is, as far as if it's meaningless, if it means something. Once the guys get on the field, once they experience what it is, the festivities leading up to the start of the Rose Bowl, if they're not ready to go, I believe they will be ready to go. And it's a game. They know that if they come out there and lay an egg, it's an embarrassment. And I don't believe the Buckeyes, Ryan Day, players, coaches, anybody involved on the team wants to end the season with two straight losses. And that's the thing about that is I, I feel like there's a, there's some pride at stake here for Ohio State because uh, if I'm not mistaken, you can probably correct me on this. I believe after the loss to Michigan, one of the Michigan assistants essentially made the comment that uh, we felt like Ohio State was soft and or something to, to that level. And that's never anything you want to hear when you're playing the game of football is that term soft. Uh, does you feel like that's part of the mo- motivation here for Ohio State going into this one? Yeah, it's kind of man pride. You, you use the word pride, I would do the same thing. No man ever wants to be described as soft, S-O-F-T. That's kind of what I would call a pride taker. There are things in life that will take a man's pride, and that's one of them. But what he said was exactly what we saw in the game. Ohio State fans don't like it. I'm sure the players and coaches probably have some um, really colorful conversations with colorful words involved in the locker room. But, I mean, reality is Ohio State was soft this Saturday after Thanksgiving. Josh Gaddis saying that. He's just saying what is the truth about that game and how Ohio State played. And the best thing about that was star linebacker at Ohio State, well, a bright spot for Ohio State linebacker, Still Chambers, he did not shy away from admitting that Ohio State was soft in that game. The thing I don't want to see today, just me personally, I don't want to see an Ohio State team that is soft once again. They have been soft throughout the season, but if you lay an egg back-to-back and if you're soft, not just losing, but if you're soft while losing in the game, that's going to be a big mark, a big knock on the season, and there are going to be a lot of questions that need to be asked starting tomorrow. Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, joining us here on the Zone Sports Network on the Smart Ring guest line. Uh, Jay, let's talk a little bit about personnel here. The funny thing about this, and I feel like this is being overlooked, and obviously all the opt-outs for Ohio State are notable. We'll get to those here in a moment, but the fact of the matter is Ohio State will still have a Heisman Trophy finalist in C.J. Stroud on the field today in the Rose Bowl. That's got to count for something, I feel like. Oh, I'm really amazed that you brought that up because everywhere I'm hearing about it is Garrett Wilson, it's uh, Chris Olave, them not playing <laughs> Nicholas Keith Rayer, them not being on the field. I mean, you have a Heisman Trophy candidate, a finalist, the fourth in the voting. He's still active. He's still there. Four of these five starting off of the line, but this year they're still active as well. He still has his buddy Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams behind him. Master Teague might get some run in this game. He still has Jeremy Rucker. He still has Jackson Smith and Digba, who's a leading receiver on the team. Everyone's talking about the opt-outs and forgetting that he just dropped amazing. Like, first-year starter, he's done a lot of things that have blown so many people away that it's sometimes hard to describe it. He's still on the field. He's on an X-factor. He is a big point of concern for the Utah defense, and I'm curious to see how he gets the young guys involved early in this game because the earlier you get them involved, it's going to be a whole lot better for you down the road. That, that, that's the thing about that. Is I, yeah, the opt-outs took the headlines. Chris Olave, you mentioned Garrett Wilson. They're both going to the NFL. Nicholas Pitt, 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 is it Petit Ferrer? Am I pronouncing that correctly? 
There you go. Good job. I'm pretty impressed. A lot of people confused that, mixed that up. And then also Haskell Garrett, uh, they opted out of this game. And they're all talented players in their own right, but you're, you're right. There is other talent on this roster. And a guy that I am intrigued by is Travion Henderson. He had an 1,100-yard season this year, but I feel like he took a backseat to the high-powered passing attack. Can you let our fans out here in Utah know a little bit more about what to expect from a guy of his caliber? A very... Very explosive youngster, true freshman running back from Virginia. A little backstory to him. He didn't play his senior year of high school due to Virginia and their up and them having a spring season. He ended up joining Ohio State in the spring when his high school was going to play his senior season. So he he had a whole year off. Think about guys like uh, Panea Sewell, he played Oregon. Micah Parsons at Penn State. Well, they had a year off and they flourished. Now the NFL. Same type of thing for Travion Henderson, where he had a year off in high school. And he is very explosive. He popped onto the scene. Minnesota week one, that game there on the road, had a beginning with a screen pass. He took like 70 yards to the house. He's very explosive. Sometimes between the tackles, it's not his strong suit. You're playing a lot of physical guys, a lot of big, strong guys that are there in the middle that have been playing college football for a while. That's what to come down the road. But if you want a guy that he, 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 can, he can hit you, um, drop of a hat, he can take it. He can take it 50, 60 yards. Um, he's going to really do a phenomenal job of not going down at first contact. He is very, very explosive. And Utah, Utah is not good at tackling today. Travion Henderson could have himself a great day in Pasadena. Jackson Smith Njigba is their leading receiver yardage-wise, but with uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave sitting out, there are 25 touchdowns between the two of them sitting out. You figure guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. are going to step up. Julian Fleming, actually, who is one of the top-rated wide receiver prospects in the most recent recruiting class coming into Ohio State, you figure they're going to take a step up here. Is there somebody in this receiving core, whether it's a tight end or another receiver, that you feel like is going to step into the void left by Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in this game? You mentioned two of the guys already between Marvin Harrison Jr., son of Marvin Harrison, former Colts wide receiver, and then also Julian Fleming, um, two guys that are phenomenal receivers. Fleming has battles of injuries, so his production, you look at his stat sheet, he's played a little bit but hasn't been as productive as you might think for someone that was expected to be a bigger piece inside of Ohio State's offense. But Emeka Ekbuka, I think, is going to be possibly the X factor in this game. He is Ohio State's return man, does a lot of kicks. He did get injured towards the end of the season. They took it out of that role when he got back healthy. But I do think that Emeka Ekbuka could be the wild card. I'm curious, though. I wonder if Ohio State keeps Jackson Smith and Jigla in the slot. To me, that's the wisest thing to do. But Emeka Ekbuka in the slot moving and Jigla to the outside, that could be an added wrinkle for Ohio State's offense that Smith and Jigla, if he's in the slot, great. But do you want to put your number one corner inside closer to the box to where he's going to have to be more in the mess um in the muck right there in the inside or do you want to keep him on the outside these are all kind of details about the game we'll have to watch throughout the game but Emeka Ekbuka to me could be I think he's going to be big, a bigger factor in this game than Julian Fleming even though Fleming is the older receiver looking at the defense uh, I okay and Correct me if I'm wrong here. I feel like there's just been a lot of dysfunction for Ohio State on defense this year. They've they've demoted their defensive coordinator. Of, of course, they already hired a new coordinator who's going to come in once the season is completed. Can you kind of give us a sense of how this defense has performed overall? So you went back. You said a word previously. I like to circle back in conversations. You used the word pride when talking about Josh Gaddis calling the defense soft. That's a good word to describe 
um, how the defense has been at times a little soft. Um, that was a good pride thing. You mentioned the word dysfunction. Dysfunction is the way that this defense has been. My biggest gripe with this defense, this defense has talent, this defense can be good. My biggest gripe is I think before the season that coaches realized we're not sure who's going to be the upper echelon player to start. So they started playing everybody and their mama throughout the game. And the, a lot of fans and myself were like, wait, you're supposed to play your best guys on the field and you continue to play, what, five, four, five, six, sometimes linebackers and numerous guys in the secondary. And the rotation on the defensive line is expected. So that I don't really put too much stock into that. But they keep playing so many guys. The defense is good. The defense has talent. Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith, they are good defensive ends. Not all, not the guys that are going to be future first-round picks, but they're good defensive ends. Steel Chambers, Cody Simon, those are bright spots at the linebacker position. Denzel Burke, true freshman corner, came in early, started against Minnesota game number one because of injuries, and he has been the best defensive back, best corner that the team has had. Uh, injuries have derailed this defense as well, but this defense to me today – if they come and play their A game, it might be enough to beat Utah. I just don't know. It's weird. This game number 13, I don't know who's going to start. I don't know how, what the rotation is going to be. Game 13, the Rose Bowl, January 1st of the new year, and we're talking about uncertainty about the rotation in the starting lineup. That's really weird for an Ohio State team that normally has really good players on that side of the ball. Typically, when a safety is your leading tackler in a season, that usually indicates something bad has happened to this defense. And Ronnie Hickman leads the Buckeyes with 95 total tackles on the year. But I feel like Hickman's actually kind of he's one of the better players, I feel like, for Ohio State overall in terms of their defense. Am I, am I reading into that that it's been a struggle because he's leading the team in tackles, or is he just one of those players who just is making plays all over the field? A little bit of both. I think it goes into the rotation I talked about earlier mm-hmm. about how there are so many guys that are playing. I'm looking at the stats right now right in front of me. 95 tackles for Ronnie Hickman. The next closest guy is a linebacker in Cody Simon at 54 total tackles. Then Bryson Shaw at 50. Then Tommy Eichenberg at 47. Then Taraja Mitchell at 43. And Mitchell might not play at all in this game if he does very, very little. So it is a little bit of he's been a bright spot. He's flourished. He's a really good guy. Um, Ohio State moved to a 4-2-5 defense, base defense, and Hickman plays that bullet, or I call it the rover um, position there that's moving from the strong safety spot to inside the box, moving all over the field, trying to confuse the defense about where his positioning is going to be pre-snap to post-snap. But a lot of what I'm seeing, when I look at the numbers, it kind of confirms what I've seen when I watch the game. It's Hickman, and then it's kind of some other guys that are filling, filling in at the other roles. Hickman really doesn't come off the field. The other guys that I've mentioned, besides Bryce and Shaw, they come off the field every now and then, and that's why there is such a gap in between Ronnie Hickman's tackles and then everybody else. Got it. All right, so Jay Jay Stevens here from Locked On Buckeyes joining us here on the Saturday show on the Zone Sports Network. And Jay, where do you feel like today's game is going to tip? Is, is there one specific matchup, uh, a side of the ball? Where do you think this game tips today in the Rose Bowl? Easy, 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 easy. It's all about the battle in the trenches. I talked about it on Locked on Buckeyes on Friday's show. If you haven't checked it out, I encourage you to check it out. There's still some time between now and kickoff to check out the preview from the Ohio State point of view for today's game. And it's the battle in the trenches, guard, center, guard for Ohio State. Those three guys, I believe it's going to be Matt Jones, left guard, center Luke Whippler, and then right guard Paris Johnson Jr., those three guys have to key and have to be, communicate very well throughout the game because I do think the interior defensive line for Utah is going to bring up some fits. 
that other teams have brought to Ohio State previously, and Ohio State has struggled a lot of times against good defensive fronts, um, especially good linebackers. So it's going to be that little detail right there. If Ohio State wins the battle in the trenches on offense, really, I'm going to couple this, offense and defense. If they win the battle in the trenches, Ohio State wins the game. If they lose the battle in the trenches, they're going to lose the game. We watched the game last night. What was it? Alabama and Cincinnati. Uh-huh. And I got it. I kept going back and forth watching the game because I was like, this is ugly. I don't want to keep watching blowouts. But every time my eyes went up, Alabama is blowing Cincinnati's front off the ball. Ohio State needs to be that forceful, imposing their will, both on the offensive interior of the uh, interior of the offensive line and interior of the defensive line for Ohio State to be successful in this game. All right, so what's your prediction? I, I didn't want you to go right there right now. <laughs> I want to go ahead and change what I have said. I said it on DJ and PK in the morning. kind of jumped around on purpose. I didn't want to definitively say anything. I said it with, um, with Brian when he was on Thursday's show. I said it Friday. I got Utah, man. I keep trying to go away from it. Uh, I think Ohio State's issues that they've had sometimes this season on the interior of the offensive line – They make me a little bit nervous. You have a new starter. I'm worried about his endurance, his stamina throughout the game. Interior of of the defensive line of Ohio State, losing Haskell Garrett is big. We talk about C.J. Stroud, him being there. We talk about Garrett Wilson and Alave not being there. I think the biggest opt-out decision that's going to be a huge loss is Haskell Garrett, defensive tackle, leader in sacks for Ohio State, leader in – Tackles for loss of Ohio State. Neither of them are over 10. So this let, that lets you know about how good this, about how this defense has played throughout this season. Your three technique is your leader in sacks and TFL. Wake-up call. Need to fix some things quickly. I got Utah, man. Uh, I think that Utah is going to bring some fits, and I don't think Ohio State has enough right now with the players that are out there to win this game. All right. Well, Jay, we're looking forward to it. Thanks for taking some time to join us here today, and we will obviously uh, check back with you after this game goes final, all right? Thanks. This was fun. Have a good day. All right. There you go. Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes, covering Ohio State for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank him for taking the time to join us here on the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Of course, at the top of the 11 o'clock hour, a dear friend, a guy who has been on the show a fair amount of times, Brian Brown from Locked On Utes. He is down in California. He's going to join us as well. We'll catch up with him. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to get to technical fouls, one of our oldies but goodies here on the Saturday show, rewarding people who have been dumb in sports and even beyond that. We'll get to all of that Coming up next, that you're listening to The Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM and The Zone Sports Network. I'm the street with dirty shoes on your feet. That's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Because that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. Foul. Personal foul, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Jay Catch along for the ride here on this Saturday morning, I guess technically for about, what, seven more minutes, and then we flip over to the afternoon. Uh, thank you for taking the time to join us. It is time, as you just heard, for technical fouls. Uh, an interesting note here on the NBA, by the way, real quick here, Eric, I... I Lance Stevenson, obviously a guy who's been a protagonist in the NBA, he is reuniting with the Indiana Pacers on a 10-day contract. 
Oh, good for him. I was just uh, coming down. I just saw that come across. It made me chuckle a little bit. He's going back to Indiana. All right. Uh, time for people being dumb in sports or people just doing weird things. Should we start? Uh, Eric, I mean, have you, like, pick your choice. Basketball or soccer? Uh, let's go with soccer here. Let's talk about uh, the Chinese national team in soccer. Uh, they have been banned, yes, the word banned, B-A-N-N-E-D, from getting tattoos and are advised to remove the ones that they have under a new directive from the governing body there in the People's Republic of China. Uh, said that uh, recruiting new players with tattoos at the national level and to youth squads was, quote, strictly prohibited. And the administration said the move would help, quote, set a good example for society. Some national uh, stars, including Zhang Linpeng, have been previously told to cover up their tattoos. Very interesting move here because uh, tattoos are in vogue, plain and simple, across sports, especially in the sport of soccer. There's a lot of tattoos around there, and I'm actually stunned that a, a national governing body of a sport is actually telling their national team stars yeah, to first not get any tattoos, second uh, to not uh, recruit players who with tattoos to the national or youth squad levels playing for the national team, and then also asking them to cover them up. Uh, okay, yeah, the General Admi- Administration of Sport, or GAS, there in China, uh, they have been, quote, advised to have their tattoos removed in special circumstances. The tattoos must be covered up during training and competition with the consent of the rest of the team, unquote. I just, I don't get this. I don't see how this has any positive effect on any of this. It just seems weird to me that China wants their national team members to no longer have tattoos. But what do I know? I, I don't have any tattoos, but I just don't get it. <laughs> I, it's weird to me. So, all right, let's talk a little basketball as well here. And Eric, I think you'll laugh at this one. Uh, Dateline Rally, North Carolina. So we're going across the country here. Tear gas was used to stop a large fight that broke out during a basketball tournament at Wake Technical Community College's North Wake campus Wednesday night. Oh, boy. Tear gas. Tear yes. gas. I mean, yeah, this kind of goes into my small technical foul as well. Seems like I've been seeing with, like, we're getting back to the point where people are, are like, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're back at live sporting events. You know, things are kind of in limbo with the COVID virus right now, but uh-huh. everyone's going back to live sporting events, and people are getting in fights, man. They Pe- are. People are getting in fights. Uh, the, one and, gonna, uh, the one you were going to yeah. talk about, it was, it was, which bowl game was it? It, it was, was Pitt and Michigan State. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. These, you know, these videos pop up on Twitter and Come on, guys. I mean, you're just here to go. Just watch the game. Like, you're not, it doesn't have to turn into an MMA brawl every time. Yeah, this one's pretty nuts. So, the fight erupted in, uh, interrupted a final game in the 49th John Wall Holiday Invitational. It is one of the top high school basketball tournaments in the country. The tournament features actually some of the top boys and girls basketball teams across the country. Over 100 NBA players, including at least three number one picks in the NBA draft, have played in the tournament in its history. A spokesperson for the event said the the fight broke out between fans in the stands as Farmville Central and Life Christian Academy from Kissimmee, Florida, played. A security officer responded, but security was, quote, stretched thin, unquote, due to an on-court fight that had occurred in the previous game to this one. Some folks used their cell phones to record the fight. In one video, you can see people under the stands. And at one point, a chair was thrown across the basketball court at somebody. Yes, a chair. This is WWE-type stuff. It's unclear what triggered the event, but then the security officer who was trying to break things up 
uh, deployed tear gas to control the chaos, and the gym was evacuated. Due, due to the lingering effects of the tear gas, they rescheduled the game to be played Thursday morning. But tear gas to break up a fight, that, that's a new one. I, I don't know if I've ever heard. I've heard it like used to break up riots and that type of stuff, but at a basketball game? Well, what what what's a riot other than a big fight? I Sure, I get that, but this just, I don't know. A brawl at a basketball game to me, I I don't I don't know if my first thought would be like I'm deploying tear gas. Let's go. I don't know. That's just me. Some people just love the tear gas. But let's behave better, everybody. We can behave. It's New Year's. New Year's resolution. Behave better. Behave better at your sporting events. I get that you we're rabid and we want to. We have tribalism with our teams, but we can all be a little bit better. Let's let's endeavor to do that in the new year. We learned something today. Indeed. All right. Uh, coming up next, Brian Brown's going to join us. I also threw it out on Twitter. I want your guys' predictions uh, to the Rose Bowl. Love hearing uh, from you guys on what you expect for Utah and Ohio State in this game. Coming up, kickoff at 3 o'clock. A reminder for you guys, 1 o'clock, our Ute pregame coverage with Scott Gerard and Hans Olsen will kick off here on the Zone Sports Network, carrying you right up to kickoff and obviously postgame coverage as soon as the game goes file, final. Excuse me. We'll have that all covered for you. But more in a moment. Brian Brown joins us. I think what we'll do, and Brian's a good sport with this, Eric. You'll also have you weigh in on this. We'll actually go through these predictions with Brian on the air. I think he'll laugh at some of these. We'll get to all of those. It's all coming up next right here on the Saturday show, right here on 97.5 FM and the Zone Sports Network.